how it would it's like i remember nancy you said in another show everything was made of that love like that love that we experience as emotion and feeling like everything was tangibly made of it like this fabric the structure of the universe was i don't even know if love's the right word but it's the only word we have <laughs> it is it's the closest it's i i'm now calling it kind of the uh, the divine field or the divine force beautiful but it is love but that's it it forms it, it it's like a crystalline lattice or a an energy lattice that forms the structure of everything it's at the heart of everything and you can you, we can call it love but that doesn't the our word doesn't really encompass the full meaning of what that is it, we you know when we're here in human form we only have so much love that we can conceptualize but if you think about it more in terms of like divine energy or divine field, I think Greg Braden called it the divine field. That that's feels more right to me to call it something like that rather than just, you know, love makes up the structure. It is love. It is that loving divine energy that forms the core of everything. Um, but it's more than that. It's bigger, much, much bigger than just that. Um, I've been able to see it sometimes. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So wonderful to be with you again. And look, I have a crowd with me today. It's beautiful. I'm going to introduce you to these wonderful people. You might know who they are. You've seen a couple of them on my show before, but we have one new one who's here. And that is Ainsley Threadgold from the UK waving. Hi, Ainsley. Hi. Of course, with Krista Gorman, who I've had on the show before, and the beautiful Nancy Ryan's down there uh, at the bottom. Nancy, now, all these wonderful people are in the book, the book, the book. I know you hear me rave about it all the time, but I'm still raving about it. Awakened mm -hmm. by Death, and all of them are the NDEers in the book. So, you know, we've got 12 people in the book uh, having this awakening experience through through encounters with death, either through their own death or through the death of a loved one or an out-of-body experience or, or, you know, amazing what's going on in the book. But everyone here had an incredible awakening experience through an NDE. But what's really beautiful about these three people is that it was all same, same, but different. It was all quite different. So we're going to talk about that today. And I'm just going to say, welcome, hello. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Having us. Yes, us. <laughs> so both Krista and Ainsley were in the other book, uh, weren't you? The extra, what was it called? The Transformative, um, power, Transformative of power of Near-Death Experience, which was put out by Penny Satori and Blank. And Kelly Walsh. Kelly Walsh, that's right, Kelly Walsh. And so when I was putting this book together, I said, oh, are you going to write the same chapter as in that book? And they both assured me <laughs> that it wouldn't be the same chapter as in that book. So, uh, so that I ha haven't actually read your chapter in the other book. 
but um, I was just going over them this morning and something struck me about all three of your experiences actually that we're going to talk about is that what do you do with this knowledge in your daily life? So you come back armed with Ainsley actually didn't remember for 21 years. I was telling people about you, Ainsley, having, chatting away about people in the book and I kept saying it was 13 years and then I read it over and I thought, oh God, I got the 13 wrong. You were 13 when you died but it was yeah. 21 years before you remembered any of this. Mm. So, um, so yeah, <clears throat> unlike Nancy who came back armed with this knowledge and, and actually, you know, we've talked about this on the show a couple of times. You woke up, I think, in OR, didn't you? And you were like, where did she go? What am I doing back here? It's like <laughs> you, wanted, <laughs> you wanted to be back with your, you know, buddy on the yeah, other yeah. side with your friend. And, uh, and then Krista, you, when you woke up, you had sort of vague memories. What was happening when you woke up? Because you woke up in... I woke up in the ICU and... I didn't recall anything for three weeks, um, three weeks, but I was just a very, very different person. I wasn't the same Krista that I was before, you know, so it, it's like the knowledge was there, but I hadn't consciously accessed it yet. And then it came back in a very vivid, super real dream about three weeks later. That's right. That's right. That's right. So you've all had three sort of similar, but extraordinarily different experiences but then that memory and coming back into it have been quite different. But the, what struck me about all three of you is now what do I do? <laughs> like now, now what do I do with armed with this knowledge? So um, shall we go over briefly what you experienced or should we let people read that for themselves in the book? And what do you think? I, 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 th I think that they should experience it by reading it in the book. Yeah. Um, and then perhaps just talk about the, um, the after effects. I mean, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but the after effects, the, the things that we've done afterwards, because what I found with the um, ND communities as I came into it in 2014 was it was very focused on the near-death experience itself. Um, and, and for me, because I lived for so long without the experience, but with, uh, with some of the after effects, uh, for me, it's more about what I do with it. What do I do now with it and whatever else? And, and, and where do I go? Because it's organically growing with me all the time. There's, there's different parts of it that come up um, and I'll have inspirations. So I'll just jot them down. And it's sort, of, it's sort of different understandings of what it was that I experienced. And if I um, leave myself too much in the experience as it was, then I don't progress. So I don't move forward. And, and we're here to grow and we're here to, you know, we're, we're here to grow as, as people. Um, and we chose this living experience as well as the, um, the one outside of that. Um, and if we're stuck here, then we don't live. Um, and from my perspective, I spent a long, long time being stuck before I remembered my experience. So I was stuck in life. Um, and I enjoy the growth now. I enjoy wanting to be here. Um, I enjoy every day and, and using my experience in, in my daily life as a, as a police officer in the UK. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing how many times it comes up and I speak to people and I speak to people, um, not so much with direct reference to my experience, but what it's done for me, um, how it's opened me up, how it's allowed me to, um, grow within myself and start to love myself, um, as I was, as I was loved, um, by the carpenter in my experience, you know, sort of, yeah. there's the externalization of what's going on inside. 
So I'm able to express that now with, uh, with helping people. Um, and it's amazing the effect it has. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the common theme of your, the three of you was the love, the love, the love, the love, the love, the love. And, uh, uh, you know, years ago I used to, um, if I was feeling down or a little, you know, ornery or whatever, I used to go on YouTube and watch people's, listen to people's experiences of their NDE simply because I wanted to tune back into that love. I wanted to hear people describe the love. And as they would describe it, I would just sit there and just remember, I just revel in that love, you know, just the, the love of our source, you know, the love of who we are. And um, oh, it makes me want to cry thinking about it now. And I think that, you know, I had a comment yesterday on one of my YouTubes, get more NDE stories. I think, I think people are looking for that too, you know, by watching people talk about NDEs, they want to reconnect to that love. But um, watching people speak about their NDEs or listening to people speak about their NDEs can kind of take you back to that memory. But that memory has to be with us all the time, not just all sitting on YouTube watching people talk about their NDEs. You know, we have to carry that love with us all the time. And what's similar about Nancy and Krista's story actually uh, you probably experienced this too, Ainsley, but you didn't write about it in that chapter, maybe you did in the other book, is that you talk about the love being the fabric of who we are, you know, how it was. It's like, I remember Nancy, you said in another show, everything was made of that love, like that love that we experience as emotion and feeling, like everything was tangibly made of it, like this fabric, the structure of the universe was, I don't even know if love's the right word, but it's the only word we have. It is. It's the closest. It's I, I'm now calling it kind of the uh, the divine field or the divine force. Beautiful. But it is love. But that's it. It forms. It, it it's like a crystalline lattice or a an energy lattice that forms the structure of everything. It's at the heart of everything. And you can you, we can call it love, but that doesn't. The, our word doesn't really encompass the full meaning of what that is. It, we, you know, when we're here in human form, we only have so much love that we can conceptualize. But if you think about it more in terms of like divine energy or divine field, I think Greg Braden called it the divine field. That that's feels more right to me to call it something like that rather than just, you know, love makes up the structure. It is love. It is that loving divine energy that forms the core of everything. Um, but it's more than that. It's bigger, much, much bigger than just that. Um, I've been able to see it sometimes when I am in certain meditation states, and it's extremely beautiful, and I can't describe it. It's just sparkly and, and crystalline and incredibly welcoming all at the same time. Um, but I haven't been able to paint it yet. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to do that. It's like multidimensional. It isn't just 3D. It's multidimensional and it's beyond time. So I, I have trying to figure out how to conceptualize that in paint is, has been a challenge for me. But it's already there in the paint, isn't it? Because it's, it's in the fabric of everything. So right. every, every painting you do is a different aspect of that. It's like exactly. trying to conceptualize it just with building one human being. You can't do it. There has to be, you know, seven billion of us. Right. Uh, and even that's just a, a, a sort of like a speck of sand um, <laughs> on, a, on a, a planet of sand. 
which right. is Pakistan and another one. So, you know, sort of we're, we are representations of that and that's why, you know, that's why we're all connected. Um, you know, you, what, what you said about the fact that, that the word love doesn't really encompass um, what we felt. It's a little bit like uh, the fact that the Inuits have um, seven or eight different uh, words for snow. Correct. We only have one, but they have to have several to survive because the, the, the snow isn't all the same. You know, it's the same as love. Love isn't all the same. Um, there are different facets to that. And, and the ultimate love that we've experienced, you're right. Love, the word love just doesn't cover it. No, words don't touch it. You know, it's just like, as I've heard Joseph Campbell quote, no tongue has soiled it. Like it's just such a pure, pure thing. And I love how you talk about the lattice, like the, the, it's the geometry. It's like, um, it's lines, it's circles, it's spaces, um, it's everything in between. And, and it, like, there is no, there's no one thing that we can say that this is what it is. It's like absolutely everything. And I love how you say too, it's like, you see like in, in the animate objects, the love. And, and I can totally relate to that. And what I, my challenge was when I came back was, okay, how do I, like I had the feeling of that love and I knew my message and my near-death experience was, okay, if you're gonna come back, share this with others. And I was like, okay, and, but how do I do that? because I can't describe it. So then I knew, I knew for me, it had to be a transformation that I took, a journey that I took within myself mm -hmm. after I spent so many years pushing it away. And what I finally learned was that in order for me to live in this world in, as Krista, as the, the Krista I learned I was when I had um, my experience, I had to bring the 3D and, and that, that realm together in some way. So I had to find the words and through meditation, that's where I found the words and was able to practice the meaning behind what I felt the meaning behind the words were. And that's how I sort of recreated to an extent, the love that I am in the afterlife, you know, the love that, that we are, but the love I personally experienced in the afterlife. And um, so that was, that was my chapter in the book here. <laughs> Look, the two of you, Nancy and, and Krista, have a good old stab at trying to um, bring that feeling, that experience into conceptual ideas of how we live that on earth. And, you, and Nancy goes into that even more because Nancy's experience was that she was hanging out with her friend in this other realm, Mary, <laughs> angel, friend, light being, whatever, buddy, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, she gave you a whole lot of uh, lessons to, you know, I love this. I was telling my brother last night, he's staying here with me at the moment, you know, atheist goes to heaven. She was an atheist and then she goes to heaven, meets an angel and the angel says, go back and teach this stuff. And I just find that hilarious. <laughs> like hilarious. <laughs> and Peter goes, yeah, that, that wouldn't be easy. You know? <laughs> no, no, it was, it was a, like an overnight there was an element of it that was an overnight shift. As Krista said, you know, when I woke up, I woke up a completely different person on, you know, in the recovery room. And even, you know, even for several weeks later, I was blissfully at peace. I was loving everything. I could still see that divine fabric or that divine field. Uh, I could, I could feel it 
constantly around me. But then I realized though, after a time that I had to do something else. You know, there was a, there was, we carry, when we have one of these experiences, I think at least for me, I carried through, I brought some of that feeling back with me immediately, but there was a lot of work I still needed to do within myself, as Krista mentioned, in order to really see all of that knowledge in my life. And it's, that's what's been going on for me for the last few years is really feeling all that information I was given, living it. Living. I mean, truly living it, not just like a textbook living it, but like really putting into practice, loving everybody and everything and looking for the lesson and everything. Um, once I finally just let go and let, what I, what I tell people is I finally just let go and let my experience teach me how to live. Oh, say that again. Say that again, Nancy. Say that again. That's just, that's the root. Yeah, what I finally realized is that I needed to let go of everything I used to be, everything I thought I knew, and just let my own experience teach me the way that I was supposed to live and be and just be. So for, and, people, for people listening to this who have not had an NDE or a spiritually transformative experience, how do they let go and let, you know, because that's teaching all of us. We don't have to die to reconnect to that because that is, a, you know, that is who we are. It's just that there are a few of us a little stubborn and we need a bit of a sledgehammer moment. It's like, just remember who you are. Bang, hit you on the head. I'm going to show you who you are. <laughs> but how do people let go and let that experience, you know, teach them who they are? Well, for me, I had a lot of anger that I needed to just work through um, and realize that I was... You know, I was mad at, at the divine presence for a long time for being put back here. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it was, it, was, it was a prayer. It was asking. It was continually asking for help because I knew that for me, learning how to let go was a big deal. I was a control freak before. Mm. And I asked for help constantly. Yeah. It was every day that I would just continually ask for help. And finally after, I don't know, six months of me asking for help, I had one of those aha moments. I was on the way to a, a meeting, a business meeting, and I was driving down the road in Colorado and crested a hill and had just an incredible aha moment. I had to pull off to the side of the road and sat there and wept. And when I wept, I just let go of all of that. It was just gone. But it was a process for me anyway of asking for help. I don't know about you two. Maybe you can speak to that. Yeah, I mean, what I hear in what you're saying is is that ego was something that that right. functioned in your life to a higher degree, and what you learned in your experience sounds like the opposite. It's equal and opposite to that, which is just as important: love and fearlessness. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, and that's ultimately. Um, for me and my experience too, was I had to live my, my experience. I had to live the love and how do I do that in this ego based world that we, the, the, I guess, I mean, it's love based. Everything is love. Ego is love, but we focus on the ego and emphasize the ego to a larger extent. And so for me, it was learning how to um, diminish the ego and expand the love. 
So it was a daily process. It is still a daily it's process. It's a daily process. It is a daily. It's, it's a daily. It doesn't matter who you are. I think even, you know, even avatars have, um, are still navigating the beautiful ego. But <clears throat> what I find amazing is like, you know, that you talk about this lattice, this, this structure, this lattice work of love. And I'm just struck by this thread gold, gold thread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gold thread. I see these threads of gold. It's like this lattice work of love just holding up and creating everything in the universe, in the cosmos, in the universes of universes, of un- like everything, everything, everything. And inside of that everything is all the stuff that we judge as terrible and horrible and horrific and wrong. And, in- and that's all held by love, like a, a gold thread of lattice work of love right so inside love is hatred and ego and murder and tragedy and and deception and it's but it's just held by love so So, yeah it's all it's all it's all the defining points we 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 live in a dualistic um universe we've chosen this because um we've decided in our sort of uh point in um, our progression, our solistic progression, uh, that we still need that defining point, you know, within our personal lives, but also within what we see um, what's going on in the world. And the hardest thing for people um, is to uh, see what's going on in the world and still see that that is also love. And hence the reason why the the love isn't um, perhaps the most appropriate word sometimes, but it is, it is that sort of great lattice of, of everything. Um, and it's all perfect because what happens um, where someone strikes tragedy, um, it's something that I've written about a few times where, um, I don't know, say uh, someone's child is murdered or run over or something else like that. Um, what very often hap- happens to the parents is they go through the grieving process, but then they do something with it. It isn't just that they don't always just remain in the grief. They raise thousands or millions of pounds for, for charity. They do things so that other people don't have to um, go through that as well. Now, there's where the perfection comes in because that child, their child, uh, has chosen to um, live that scenario so that that person who um, sort of committed that crime can do whatever they want to do and also to inspire the parents who inspire lots and lots and lots of other people. Now, had the child not died, the parents wouldn't be doing any of that. Isn't, I know. Isn't, you know, isn't that, isn't that incredible? Look, I just want to say... I. You know, I'm just going to rave about this again because this is what I tried to illustrate in all the stories in the book, you know, exactly what we're talking about, that inside the tragedy and the traumas and the contrast of life is love that we can't see from our linear third-dimensional perspective. Sometimes when we die, you know, if we have an NDE or even a spiritually transformative experience or just an, an awakening within the body, we don't have to go anywhere. We can see through the eyes of source. We can see from a broader perspective. We can see the tapestry and not just the, the gold threads of the tapestry. <laughs> you know, we can see the whole picture. And exactly what you say, Ainsley, you can see how the tragedy led to the beauty and how it was all perfect and it all came from love. So one of the authors in the book, Scarlett Lewis, her son was shot in the Sandy Hook shootings, right? And she, her six-year-old, and he was such a light. He was just this beautiful, happy, beautiful, magnificent child. She has an older son who was not as joyful. He was just more a serious little boy, a thinker, where the other one was just a bubble of love and joy. 
and he was shot. And of course, um, that tragedy, you know, there's so many Facebook pages of NDEs and near-death death people losing children and that grief and that tragedy seems so terrible. But she had this moment where she speaks about in her chapter and I talk about often where she was grieving and she was going over in her mind what had happened and she had this thought, I've, I've experienced my greatest fear. You know, mm. if we have a greatest fear, maybe some people's greatest fear is I don't want to die and some people might be the death of someone I love. <clears throat> and inside experiencing her greatest fear, she realised that she had dropped all her other fears and mm. that she wasn't fearful anymore. And then she had an in-body life review. <clears throat> she had this moment of looking back on her life and seeing how her life was run by fear. So the little fears like, I don't want to be late. Um, you know, I've got to clean the house before people come over because they might judge me for having a dirty house. You know, all these silly fears that we, you know, this, this perpetual fear of striving, you know, striving. Mm. We're all on this treadmill of striving to get somewhere we don't even know where we're going. And and when she dropped her fear, she found herself in grief and grace at the same time. Mm -hmm. And inside this grace, she started to think about the shooter, Adam Lance, who, who was a student of the school, who had an angry thought. And that angry thought grew because no one ever taught him how to get over an angry thought or a, a thought of frustration or a thought of self-criticism or whatever and it just grew and grew and grew as he grew and grew and grew and it overwhelmed him to the point where he went back to his old high school and shot as many people as he could including himself and he, and she thought she felt compassion for this man instead mm. of hatred you know outside of fear for the man that murdered her son and she felt like if if only somebody had taught him how to overcome his angry thoughts it would never have happened so she started a movement just like you say Ainsley she started a movement called the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement which mm -hmm. is teaching children she's put together this program it's going into schools it's a free program it's called the enrichment program which is like emotional well-being for children it's not taught in schools so she's putting this in schools as a program and well oh, it makes me want to cry again <laughs> so this tragedy created this and you know what it's in 55 countries now and it's been downloaded like uh, nearly 8,000 times from schools like it's making a difference in the world this program and so we can see the love that murdered her beautiful six-year-old working that lattice work those gold threads working you know like so that's the proceeds of the book if we ever make any <laughs> We haven't sold a lot yet, but we're getting there. Are going towards coming. supporting that program. You know, I want to support you know her her movement as Wonderful. well as a few other movements. So, yeah, you know, when you yes. look back in hindsight, you see those gold threads working, even when in the tragedy you can't you can't see the whole picture. Yes, mm. and that happens in all of our lives, and that's life. It's yeah. synchronicity, isn't it? yeah it's the, it's the it's the one thing that leads to the next that leads to the next and sometimes those things aren't nice you know in, in my chapter and whatever else i sort of had to I, I saw the life that i would have to live between having my experience and remembering it and then and then not just remembering that bit but also uh coming back with the, the extra experience with uh knowing that i was to meet krista um 
I know. That, it's a bit, of, bit of a love story up the top there, those absolutely. two. <laughs> 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 so it's interesting because I've had quite a few people read the book and come to me and go, oh, I read the book. And, I, and, I, and no one has noticed the love story yet. Like nobody has sort of put the two and two together because I didn't put your chapters together. I, I put them sort of, I didn't put them right after each other. I think I put you down. I can't remember where I put you, but I tried to like let let the readers work this out that he's actually talking about Krista, who's the other chapter. Mm-hmm. Nobody's come to me and said, "Ooh, you know." <laughs> <laughs> they're probably they're probably wondering who this person is, and they don't realise that in the next two chapters they're actually reading about herself. Because... Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, oh, well, my train of thought. I've lost my train of thought. Hang on. Uh, yeah, we're talking about the synchronicity and, and sometimes there being um, sort of having having to be the, the, the hard things to push us forward. And, um, you know, where, where I where I was stuck in life was because I didn't want to deal with me. I didn't want to look, well, I, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Um, I was um, I was painfully shy as a, as a teenager um, and that just got worse. And um, as I as I progressed, it's almost like the, the further away I got from the, the, the point of having my experience, the, the uh, further away from myself I got until the point where I was being drawn back. But when I first got drawn back, I was in the worst shape of my life. I was in the worst physical shape and the worst spiritual shape and the worst emotional state um, because I was so, I'd been so closed off. I'd been so against myself. And then all of a sudden I had the floodgates open with, with the start of, uh, of this experience that I'd had through the hypnotherapy. Um, and, and that was my point. That was, it was almost like my lowest point. It was the highest point, but it was also the lowest point. It was the point where I realized that I had to do something about it. Right. Um, I had to do something about myself and, and do I want to be here? Um, and, and realizing that I'd, I'd chosen to come back. I'd chosen to experience all these things. I'd chosen to, um, you know, sort of cause pain to myself, cause pain to other people because they were, uh, my external reflections of my internal self. Um, you know, I chose all of that and I also chose to come back. So if I've chosen to come back, what do I do with it? Um, again, like we were talking earlier on. Um, oh, I know. And I that's, think... Yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say, and that, that's where I'm at now. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a constant process, but it's, yeah. it's me uh, choosing to accept, like, and love everything that I am in any moment. So if I have a... Um, a point where I'm having a low moment where uh, something's coming up, something wants to heal, something wants to be released. It's having to accept myself in both points, in the point of my present moment, but also in the point of my past moment where I felt that shame or that hurt or that upset. Um, and then bringing that back to me. But it's, it's well, it's all about me. It's all happening inside me. Whatever I experience is all happening from here first. And if I can't love here first, if I can't accept and like here first, then I can't then share that with other people. Absolutely. Um, I think the greatest tragedy for, for anyone is to um, try their best to uh, make up for something by uh, ignoring themselves. You know, people very often go into um, healing professions or social services or, or, or whatever else because they've, they've perhaps been in a situation and, it's, and their way of dealing with it is by helping other people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But they're not helping themselves and they very quickly get burnt out and they very quickly uh, find that they're, they're still stuck um, mm. because they still can't do what I did, which was look at, look at myself, actually truly look at myself. I couldn't um, physically look at myself. And then when I could physically look at myself, I had to look at myself from the perspective of love. 
Um, yeah. And th- there are times where that still draws me to tears. It still puts me on my knees. Really? Um, but it's that, it's that divinity that I see within myself that I then start to see and feel in other people. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it then sort of allows me to empathize with whoever it is that I help. Um, or, you know, and, and, and alternatively, I realize that they're also helping me because they're reflecting me as I'm reflecting them. Um, and and there, there for me, there's where the, where the love really sort of shines through. Um, and I don't have to have had an experience to, um, to trigger that. Everyone, everyone does that anyway. It's, yeah. it's a conscious choice to realize that, that yeah. um, is the key. Look, I, absolutely. You know, what struck me about your chapter, Ainsley, is um, the fact that you had this, you had this difference, like you had these things happening to you. Like you said, you couldn't wear a watch. And I've been like that all my Like I have not had an NDE, right? But I've had this ever-expanding awakening experience throughout my whole life and it, it just continues. It doesn't stop. You don't wake up and it's like, I'm enlightened <laughs> Just every, and I have to say putting on this radio show or this 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 show podcast show listening to your stories and, and the other people just just expands my world and just makes me realize more about who I am and so I'm learning along with everybody who, who's listening or reading and it's just a beautiful you know beautiful journey but that niggling that niggling I knowing that you're here to make a difference and this is so many people across the world star seeds you know the new children coming in my daughter even my brother who's here with me at the moment you know in his 50s and and knowing that you're here to make a difference but not knowing how to do that or how that looks or um I, I for you and so you thought okay how am I going to make a difference in the world I'll be a policeman <laughs> <laughs> you know that'll make a difference and that's what we do we come up with these and ideas yeah and it's funny because um although i uh, only had the after effects of um the experience uh, growing up it's funny how that really influenced uh, my choices because i uh, wanted to be a police officer um and i, I found that role uh, a year afterwards i was uh, i'd already gone back to school um, and I was 14, 14 and a half by then. So it was a, a year later. And it was then when that role presented itself to me. Um, I was sort of, we were doing uh, some workshop on um, suitability for jobs. And I was looking through the cards and all of a sudden a police officer came up. And I said, you know, the, 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 it just made me realise the synchronicities of, of how it is that we go about um, living these things sometimes without even realizing it. Um, I've always have I've always had a yen for working with young people, which I did um, for a long time before I was a police officer. Um, and I've, it's that yen for helping people in general that um, sort of uh, really shone through. But now I can do it consciously. Yeah, and I think the, the, again I quote Joseph Campbell because he's just been such a huge inspiration in my life. But follow your bliss. It's like okay, what's my bliss? What is it that I'm I'm here to do? And it's about, you know, learning all the, all the ways of tuning into yourself and what's myself. Well, it's that inner voice. Well, what's my inner voice? It's how you feel. It's all about feeling, you know? So um, it's, that's what, like, I talk to people too, that my daughter is one of them. And I just tell her, she's like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm like, just whatever grabs you, whatever, whatever inspires you, go with that thing. Don't worry about what this person's saying or that person's saying about what you should do. 
You know, it's about how you feel when you think about something, when some, you know, something's presented to you. You know, I have this conversation a lot with my daughter and um, um, I think that the crux of this too is that it doesn't have to be one thing. You know, like you can play and do, and do a minute, you know, like you guys, you're still a police person, police officer, aren't you, Ainsley? You're still, you know, you guys have been in service, um, service jobs, like Krista's obviously working in a hospital as a physician's assistant and ER and seeing people come in bloody and fixing them up. Like you're, you're in service. And then with Nancy, her bliss was the art. And we're going to show that painting that's behind you because it's <laughs> and you know because you were in a, a service job and a very heady sort of scientific service job before, but then your bliss after you came back from your experience turned into this creative bliss, and uh, that's been your bliss, hasn't it? Since you've been back following your bliss with the art, as well as speaking to people and you know yeah yeah it isn't but it isn't just one thing i mean the the for sure the the art the the painting is probably the one thing that i can do besides being out in nature but the one thing that i do that i can completely lose myself in and i know it's really a part of me it's i'm just so on with with being a visual artist that I can't imagine not doing it ever. I mean, I've tried, trust me, I've tried. <laughs> I actually did give it up for about a, a year after my, not not right away after my accident, but I only recently started painting again, but I needed like a year off to process stuff. But through that whole time, I was working on other things. Now, writing is also, writing and speaking is kind of a secondary thing for me. But, all, but really, making a difference in the world can just be the way that you interact with other people on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be this, oh, I'm going to go out and speak to 10,000 people this weekend, or I'm going to make a YouTube video and a million people are going to watch it. Yes. It's also just the way that you live your life. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. that can make a bigger difference than me going out and speaking to 500 people at a conference. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the authors in the book, and I know you guys haven't read all the book yet, but anyway, I've got to send you the physical copy. I've only sent you the, the, the digital copy. Um, is Dave, and he his daughter was blown up in the Bali bombings. And the way he makes a difference, he's not on the computer. He's not out there, you know, writing books. Or so. To get his chapter down, I had to get him over to my house and, and, and film him talking, and then we transcribed it and then turned it into a chapter. And... Um, his is the most horrific because he sat here in my living room going blow by blow about what happened, the tragedy, and, and he was in Bali. Do you remember in 2002, the big bombings? We've got a memorial. There's like, I think, about 20 or 30 Australians were killed and there's a memorial up the road. That's where I met him. And so he was there. He went through the bomb site. He saw people dying. He saw bits of body. Like He just, just experienced hell on earth, this man. And you know how he makes a difference? He was an alcoholic many years ago, long before his daughter was killed, and he went to AA and cleaned up his act. And so he goes to his AA meetings and he's a, you know, he helps the other people. And he said one of the things that he's most proud of during the experience he went through was that he didn't pick up a drink to help him with his grief because, again, the worst thing that could ever happen when you read about his relationship with his daughter, that he's an Aussie, right? He's like... Oh, they used to call us Cloney down the beach because we were like clones of each other. You know, he's got this great Aussie accent. And um, 
and he was so close to this daughter who was tragically killed but he makes a difference by just being happy and yeah. loving everyone and then going to his aa meetings and to, I like and he is a light in mm. the world i can't get him on zoom because he's just not he's not like the, the computer thing does he doesn't do it right he doesn't even answer his emails <laughs> <laughs> He is, he is a light in this world. He is just a beacon of joy and love and bliss. I'm like, oh, my God, he's amazing. And, uh, and his is the most horrific chapter in the book, I have to say. People are giving comments saying that one woman was on a plane reading it and she had tears and snot all over her face. And, she... <laughs> and the guy next to her look, was looking at her and she turned around and smiled at him. He's like, you're happy that you're bawling? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what these stories do they touch us yeah. they touch the heart of us and we recognize ourselves in the other we're one with that person and that's how how we are in our everyday lives you know you see somebody it's like yeah there's a mask there there's a, a face that looks a certain way mm -hmm. clothing and whatever but there's there's a soul, there's a spirit, there's an energy behind that. That and we're one. We're flowing with one another all the time, and it's about recognizing that and being that light and being vital in your life and yeah. being that beacon for other people to recognize themselves in. Mm. Right? Mm. Yeah. And I feel that that's why we're here. Yeah. We're here. We're here to feel the connection. Yeah. Um, you know, in in my job. Um, because where, where I police, the environment I police is the railway. Um, oh, okay. The railway is a, is a magnet for uh, lots of people, but also not just sort of uh, people in their daily lives going to and from work or traveling or whatever else, but it's, it's also a magnet for very sick people. Um, who want to jump in who, front of the train? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I um, very often get called to people who are considering that. And I'm also, I, I always find myself feeling very fortunate when I get there when, when they haven't yet committed that act, but we, uh, we get to them in time. And I can, you know, myself and my colleagues and whatever else, we can talk to them. And very often uh, we are the facilitators for them getting help that they've been trying to get for years sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's that tragic attempt to do something which sometimes uh, sparks off or, or can spark off uh, them changing the direction of the lives and there's no mistake that they're there there's no mistake that i'm there um but not just that but it's also the unfortunate unfortunate occasions where um i have to also go and literally pick up the bits uh, from somebody who has um sort of committed that uh, yeah. and from my perspective i feel the energy of, of that i feel the energy of that person uh on one of else as well as uh, feeling the energy of everyone else around me um yeah. But then it's 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 my job. Then I, I see it's my job then to um, sort of change or, or remember who I am inside. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, use use that use that moment, use that sort of that tragedy, um, whatever it might be, to to uh, bring myself forward. And if I bring myself forward, then everyone in my uh, environment, everyone um, that sort of externalizes what's going on inside, then starts to. Uh, pick up on that as well. Yes. Um, go from being a very somber uh, experience. Where, I mean, we have to be very professional, obviously. Yes. But when, you know, when we're back in the office and we're debriefing with sort of um, 
trying trying to sort of deal with what we've just been um, uh, a witness to. Yeah. Um, very often the humour in something something silly something small that we use to sort of break that, um, and then we have that release. You know, like you were saying with the lady with the with the tears reading the book. Yeah. In that particular chapter, that that was her small little thing which allowed her to release and allowed her to tap into um, not just the emotion of the book but her own emotions. Yeah. Um, and I find that that's important. It was important for me. Um, and when I deal when I deal with and work with people, um, I know that it's important for them. And know when they're starting to sort of feel something because I'm feeling with them, um, yeah. and, and they're helping me feel something as well. And I'll come away sometimes and. Um, you know, something will strike me within myself and it's because I've been dealing with that person. It's, you know, the, the best way often is just to let the tears flow. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I don't know how you do it, Ainsley, honestly, because, you know, one of the after effects, which you'll all know, is this empathic, this expanded empathic. So you, you know yourself as one with everybody and, and, and how that looks in a human form is you feel that. And so you feel what other people are feeling. and um, you know, there's two, there's two sides to your story because you lived this life as a police officer without the memory and then you had uh, hypnosis and then you had full memory and then that memory came back and back and back and back and back and then you were living, so you're still working as a, and so now you're living with the memory. So mm. there's like, and so you're doing the same job but you're kind of armed with different um, concepts, I guess, or memory or... Because I think the feeling stays the same because we, mm. we don't always know how to explain our feelings, you know, especially when you don't remember that you've died <laughs> and you've seen the carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> and the carpenter said, you're very special. Go back and do my work, but you won't remember that you've met me. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that you said, which I love, was... Um, I wasn't allowed to remember because I had to experience all the contrast, you know, I had to go through all the dramas until I was allowed to remember. And yeah, that, yeah. that spoke to me too, because I felt like all my life that there was something I needed to remember and I was struggling to remember and I wasn't allowed to, like I had to go through fighting with my ex-husband and divorcing and being upset over having no money and trying to find a job. You know, I had to go through all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> from from a linear mind perspective before I was given more download, you know, given more access. That's a better word, isn't it? More access to my mob. I call them my mob, my spiritual team, and to feel their presence kind of mm. guiding me and with me all the time, you know, because I had to feel that aloneness and that loneliness and that, oh, poor me, why is me? I'm all alone, no one there to help me sort of thing. That yeah, is. it's like you have to hit bottom. Yeah. And then yeah. you just rise from there. And it's like at varying degrees, you know, an alcoholic hits their bottom before yep. they make the decision, they become willing to make the decision to live differently. And like that was, I don't know how it was for you, Nancy, but for me, it was, you know, once I processed um, the fact that, yes, Christy, you had a near death experience and you were, you were asked to share the love. And to do that, it had to be like no, no half measures. Right. It was all, all in. And so it, there was just this like, sort of like awakening point where I realized that I had to, everything had to be stripped away. All the old stuff had to be stripped away. And I had to start building from a new foundation. 
And what was that foundation? It was love. So that's from that point, I was able to then start to rebuild me as, as Krista, the love, um, rather than Krista, the, the ego emphasis, I guess I'll say. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, because it's, <laughs> it's love too, just it's reflection. Yeah. Yeah, I think when, you know, those of us who are on this path, when we have those, like you said, Karen, uh, those challenging times, I have to, uh, when I have those challenging times, which really don't, they're not, they never really affect me that way anymore, but they used to. Uh, it, it helps me increase my ability to relate and, and gives me a bigger sense of compassion for those people whom I teach all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because people come to me asking, how do, how do I get to be like you are? But it helps me to understand what it feels like to be where they are. You know, for me, that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily just one overnight thing, but it was, there was a point at which I was, I think there was a point at which after my, uh, after my accident in NDE, where I felt, I knew deep down that I needed to let go, like Krista said, I needed to let go of that old sense of me, but I was, there was still that fear of, oh my gosh, that's all, that's my entire identity had been created around this person I thought I was. And so I was a little afraid to let go of that. But I had to really, I realized I either let go of it and become this happy, loving person, or I hang on to it and I'm going to be miserable the way I was before my accident. Yeah. And that's when I realized I'm just going to let it go. And that's when the love came in, the love for myself. It also, it wasn't just the love, it was peace. It was being able to see that bigger picture that you talked about, you know, the, the more divine picture. I, granted, I'm not seeing the divine picture all of the way, but I have a, certainly a bigger perspective now than I did before. Um, and I, I'm able to, you know, access that whenever I, I want. Mm. It's also just having a deeper empathy, but not, and here's the key for me, it's not being attached. It, well, I have a greater empathy for other people and I'm able to feel what other people are feeling. I'm not attached to it. So I don't get wrapped up in their drama. I can feel what they're feeling, but I'm staying calm in here and I'm able then to bring a different presence to that issue, whatever it is, because I'm not now wrapped up in the drama. It's just, it is. And granted, I don't like to say it's just drama, because to whoever's experiencing it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But to me, it's human drama, and I'm able to feel it with them and experience it with them and see it from a different perspective, Mm. and then just let it go. You know, I'm not attached to being in it with them. Like so many people want to drag you down into that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that, and 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 what and I learned is that I don't have to be drugged into it. Oh, yeah, because you know, here here's a that's brilliant. Thank you, Nancy. That's just brilliant because you know, Krista and Ainsley work inside drama, like people ER, you know, like drama, and then police work. People throwing themselves in front. Of that. So you have to have that ability to witness mm-hmm. it and not be dragged down. But like you have to have that, but. You know, with you, Nancy, you're kind of more like the rest of us who aren't working in these extraordinary jobs where we've just got the human drama with our friends and our family. And, you know, I watch my daughter, who's an incredible empath, 
and she works as a carer so she's wiping people's asses like she's doing everything a nurse does but without the pay and without administering like she does administer drugs interestingly but not intravenous sort of drugs so she's working inside that human drama but with her friends like if her friends come over and they've got the drama oh the boyfriend dumped me or the boyfriend's cheating on me or whatever she feels it's her duty to come down and cry with them and then as an empath she gets knocked around by Mm. that lowering her frequency and then feeling that pain that her friend is feeling and she Mm. doesn't realize that that doesn't help that you have to maintain so you have to look at the drama from this um detached perspective and attached to the gold threads (laughs) the Mm. thread gold attached to the lattice of love (laughs) And see it from that broader perspective. That's just something that she's learning and something yeah. that you've all learnt, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, when, when you were talking about that, it's uh, a little bit like, like why there is a, a ledge which is higher than the pool when you're in a swimming pool. Because right. if, it was, if it was the same level or it was underneath or whatever else, you wouldn't be able to pick yourself up and pull yourself out of the water. Now, for her as an empath, what she's not doing is pulling herself out of the water and she's, right. she's not then being the excuse for the, the other person to bring themselves up as well. You know, from, from my perspective in my job, um, the, the greatest tool for me is my ability to stay calm. Exactly. When I'm dealing with people who are up here, there's no good with me coming up here as well and causing more of a problem. If I, if I come in and my energy is nice, nice and calm and it's down here, very often people will come and meet me, not yeah. the other way around. Because... Yeah. Again, like Nancy said, it's, it's the loving detachment. I'm not attached to what's going on in their lives. What I am is maybe their step up to, um, for them to step away from their energy, for them to raise their vibrations. You step up to meet me, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, and, and very often I find that uh, people will do that. If I'm nice and calm and, and whatever else, and it's almost like I, I, there's that beacon of light, there's the, the light at the end of the tunnel, people will naturally go towards it and they, they will calm down um, and they will, uh, they will then sort of step out of their own drama because you're giving them an excuse to because you're not wearing the same clothes as they're wearing. You're not wearing their drama with them. You're not mm-hmm. crying with them. I mean, it, to, say, to say not crying with them, I mean, sometimes people's stories are tragic and it, and it does uh, fill us with that uh, emotion and it's okay to release that emotion. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, like with, uh, there's a lady called PMH um, Atwater who... Yeah. Um, has had several near-death experiences and whatever else. Um, I lost my child thought now. But on the flip side of that too, that that attaching ourselves to other people's stories, um, the you know, for me, it's like it's the most loving thing for me in honoring myself in a moment where there is drama being presented to me to maintain that detached, loving perspective mm-hmm. and objective. You know, like I'm not, I'm not one side or the other, I simply am. And I hear you and I acknowledge you, but I'm not taking on your energy. I'm mm-hmm. stable and sound and in mine. And people respond to that, you know, like we've been saying, and at my job, it's a prime example because I'm surrounded now, the, the patients are not my biggest challenge. It's my coworkers. Yeah. And it's the negativity that's present. So for me to not be 
negative in response to their negativity, they observe that themselves and they recognize it. And I've been told that. So, you know, it's interesting because I've gone through my transformation while in my job. Yes. So it's been a very interesting observation for me and for them, you know, for themselves. So it's pretty cool. And, it, and it, that's, how we, that's how we share love in the world. You know, that's how the ripples happen. One example, anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, but I wasn't meant to. This is, the, this is the nice thing. It's like, I, I wasn't meant to because it's the universe saying, Ains, no, she's got something to say. So <laughs> sometimes I need that. And it happens, it happens whether I, I realize it or not. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm grateful. You know, as I listen to you all, I've got a million thoughts going through my heads and a million other stories. And then I get so swept up in what you're saying, my head goes blank. And then I think, Oh, what am I going to say? I can't remember anything. It's like, it's, it's all kind of gone through me and passed out. <laughs> passed yeah. through my head. And then I'm left with blankness. It's kind of interesting how that happens. It's, yeah. it's like life, isn't it? It's like this busyness, busyness, busyness and story and story. And then there's this sort of pause and then this nothingness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of like, it's a beautiful metaphor for life, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. those pauses and that nothingness is a place to sort of rest and drink from the well of love like just that yeah i don't know it's just drink. it's been it's been comfortable with it isn't it it's rather than having to have all those thoughts to try and define who we are and try and get through life sometimes it's about having that silent space um yeah. and about and about trusting that space being the, the space where we where, where we truly grow yeah um you know, I, I find now when I um, go to the gym and if I'm, uh, especially with my cardio, if I'm on the bike or on the cross train or whatever else, I close my eyes. Um, I'll have so, so long with my eyes closed before I take some water or whatever else. And it's that space there where I find myself being the most free because I'm not thinking about um, who else is around me or what's going on. I'm just feeling what I'm doing. Um, and, and it's those moments where I really find that I'm sort of emptying myself of everything that's unnecessary. It's almost like emptying the trash. Um, that, that's all empty for me to then be, um, remain uh, a sort of a vessel for um, universal energies. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, Nancy, you would find that with your painting too, that, that that's oh, yeah. the space. You know, I'm thinking he, Ainsley's on the cross trainer. I'm thinking I'm not on the cross trainer. <laughs> 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 I used to be. People I'm not can anymore. get that too when they go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. Go for a walk in nature with trees or the beach or whatever. You can get that sense. It doesn't have to be on the cross trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it outside a lot when I'm out for a walk, especially by the beach. Here mm-hmm. I live near the the Puget Sound, so you know salt water is an incredible place to go if you're looking for some peace and solitude. Um, but yeah, I get it with painting for sure. That's probably one of the reasons I'm so addicted to it <laughs> because that's my Zen place. I can be painting for 10 hours straight and I won't even bat an eye. You know, yeah. I, I won't even know 10 hours have passed. Yeah, I'll isn't that beautiful? Look at the clock and well, whoa, man, where did the day go? Uh, you know, that's, what? that's the bliss. Mm-hmm. I get that doing this. Like doing mm-hmm. what we're doing. Like I could be on this. I could be talking about this stuff forever. And I think, oh, hang on. I've got to think about time and, you know, but people are going to watch the end of it and I've got to sort of come back to reality. But yeah, I get that with my work. I could just do it all day. I do. I do it all day, every day. Uh, then it's not even work. Yeah. 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 It's play. There is, a bit of, there is a bit of balance though. My life's a bit, been a bit out of balance since I've been 
you know, since we've been doing the book, I've been really focused on it. And then I sort of kind of lift my head up from out of work and I go, you know, I haven't got outside of the house for like a few days and really need to go get some food and I really should actually ring up some friends and organise some social, like, there's like a bit of balance. But, yeah, you do get swept up in, uh, in, in your passion. I want to just reiterate what you said, you know, like, and your bliss, following your bliss is not one thing. It can be many things. But what comes to mind is it's not what you do that's important. It's, um, it's, it's the beingness. It's the energy you're doing it in. Feel, like uh, Mother Teresa said, do, uh, it's not great things you do in the world. It's the little things you do with great love. Do everything with great love, not, not do great things. Uh, and I think that that's probably the message of every NDE and spiritually trained, you know, that's the, that's the message, isn't it, guys, do you think? Yes. Do yeah. everything with great love. Yeah. We, 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 don't grade, we don't grade the love that we feel um, by the acts that we um, are sort of committed to, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the act of mindfulness is that we uh, get present in that moment. And, uh, you know, that, that allows us to be present when we're drinking coffee, but it also allows yeah. us to be when we're talking to people and when we're um, just sharing those small moments. And it's the small miracles that really uh, speak to me. And I know that they're also the moments that speak to lots of other people as well. It's, it's not just the winning the lottery moment um, yeah. where, where, we have, uh, where we have happiness. We, we realise we have happiness in, in um, lots and lots and lots of occasions throughout the whole day. Um, and sometimes just realising that, just realising where we are and, and what we've experienced, going to the beach, walking in the woods. Um, you know, when, when we go out, we very often will notice the smallest flowers hidden away that everyone else just walks past or treads over or whatever else. And it's, it's those, it's those times where I'm like, wow, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that we've, we've walked here and I'm so glad that my eyes have been drawn to, um, you know, the, those sort of like small flowers just growing out through uh, amongst through the, uh, the leaves or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and that's where life is in mm -hmm. the small moments. Um, and it is about us sharing that. Um, you know, we don't like Nancy said earlier on. We don't have to speak to thousands of people um, to uh, have made a difference. Sometimes making a difference is is how we feel about ourselves. If I feel good about myself, then um, it doesn't matter whether I directly or indirectly affect anyone else, because mm -hmm. I'm already doing that by um, by feeling good. Because we're all connected. So if I'm feeling good, then everyone else in my environment's feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. I've got this funny thing that's in my head that I don't know whether I'll share with you or not. I want to see Nancy's. Are you going to share that painting behind you with the, our audience? <laughs> we have time now. Yeah, I'll do that. Now, so look at this. One of two series I'm working on. This is kind of at the. Beautiful. Uh, you'll lose me now. Um, Beautiful. This is uh, the more graphic, kind of the new style of. of um, animal-centered and nature-centered work. And then I have another series that I'm working on. It's called The Beauty Project. And it goes back to what uh, you, Krista and Ainsley talked about, where I, ha I just started this, this new series where I'm showing people that each person is divine. And so each person that I paint is just a normal person, not some necessarily some supermodel. But through through my painting skills, I want to show each person the inner divinity that they have and their connection yeah. to the divine and how special each person is, no matter yeah. what they look like or 
you know, whether they have, you know, three ears or, you know, white skin or dark skin, it doesn't matter. So that's the other series um, that I'm really excited to be starting in on now. Mm, that I, sounds I love that. Beautiful. I love that because I, I draw as well. Um, mm. And I uh, do portraits and um, I, I mean, I don't do them very often anymore, but when I do do them, it's the uh, it's my falling in love with the the, the person that I'm drawing almost because mm. I have to represent them on the page, um, and it's it's that sort of it's that loving moment where uh, every uh, every sort of space that uh, is their face, every line, every curve um, that I'm sort of representing on the page um, is a representation of love. Um, yeah. You know, I, I do a lot in pencil, so it's sort of every every sort of pencil stroke is almost like the lattice, the, the gold thread that we were mm. talking about earlier on. Yeah. Um, that builds up, it's all the dark tones, it's the light tones. Um, you know, a representation of life is that uh, through, through um, when I draw, it's, it's the shades that uh, are the picture as well as the light things. You know, it's the shades in our lives that help us to define the light uh, that we that we have as well so you know they're, they're both necessary aren't they you can see that nancy in your painting absolutely yeah yeah that's one of the long-standing traditions in in at least representational art is as you know you can't have light without dark mm. in a painting or in drawing and and that is life you know we have what we what we call dark moments you know from a bigger perspective they're not necessarily dark but we see them as dark yeah, they really help shape and define our lives. I mean, you know, people tell me I wouldn't want to go through an accident like you did and oh, have yeah. that experience that you did. And you know what? I'm grateful for that every day, mm. even though it was horrendous. I don't know what you guys feel like, but for me, that that changed my life in such an amazing way mm. and turned my life into something so positive that I can't imagine giving that up. And I'm grateful for it. And Nancy broke what, 25, 24, 20 something bones, and, in and then places, in multiple yeah. places. And, and whoa, like your body was just smashed to smithereens. And then you had to recuperate and recover. I've got to say, you know, I spoke to Nancy 10 months after this happened. It was my first show with Nancy. And you look so healthy and strong and, you know, <laughs> fit. And I'm thinking, how did that happen? It's like, you know, love. Uh, and, yeah. and, love. Well, yeah, and that divine healing I had before I was sent back. Right, mm. right. But, you know, okay, so this is what's interesting. So you're hanging out with your angel in heaven and she's given you some, she's giving you your marching orders and you're going, I'm not going to go back and do that. I want to stay here with you. And then she sends you back to a broken body, but she's given you a healing, but you still had broken bones that needed to heal. It's like interesting how all that worked. Well, they, they healed very quickly and with very little right. to no pain. Right. Um, and so I, you know, you saw me 10 months after this horrendous accident and within, it was like four and a half weeks, I had all my casts off. Mm. And anybody in the in the medical community is like, and I just I, last a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to a group of physicians and nurses down in Colorado, and they were stunned. Yeah, but that's you know that's that divine love, that's that heavenly healing that we oftentimes have during these experiences. Where I didn't realize how quickly I was healing, right? But I, you know, four and a half weeks to have basically everything off after having had most of my spine crushed 
pretty amazing. You know what? You are my Anita Mojani <laughs> because for years I've been reaching out to get her story on, you know, because have you, do you know her story? So yeah. she's, uh, you know, she died, she was sick, she had cancer and she was riddled and she died and had an NDE and then she had a healing as well. And when she came back, she healed unbelievably quickly from what was not what she couldn't what you couldn't come back from because her body had basically gone into death and gone into coma and her, all her organs had shut down and she was her heart was still beating or there was still electrical but you know she was basically dead and then she came back and so and, and just met impossible impossible but it's interesting when I could never, because I've been talking to her PA for years and years and we're good friends now because we can just never get the scheduling right. It's not like she doesn't want to come on the show. She's just super busy. Mm. And so I said to my mob, why is it I can't get Anita on? And they said, she's got enough exposure. We're going to give you people that need the exposure. And so they're the people that come on my show, the people that aren't like as famous or, you know, as, and so you're my Anita Morjani because you've had that same experience and that you've had that healing which has been manifest in this physical reality, you know, from a higher dimensional reality, it's been manifest because just that, yeah, all those broken bones just being crushed in a truck accident and then having it because you look so healthy now. It's amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I am. <laughs> number, the sheer number of the broken bones and the body's necessity to sort of focus itself, not just on one bone to remodel and heal, but many, and to have all of that happen in such a short period of time is, yeah, there's like that, that, um, I just, I think of the lattice, like I think of, I yep. think of geometry, I think of, of it all sort of working and we can't see it but it's all there, it it's all around you. Yeah. And you are now a, a walking representation of that, walking and talking, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that we can all see it. We can see you, and we can hear you. And then we can identify with that miracle that is you. And it's just, yeah. and you're doing it, yeah. you know, like you're here and you're just doing it. And it's that, it's that um, I mean, have, having, uh, been run over myself and uh, knowing how broken we can be uh, and knowing how quickly we can uh, recover and whatever else again we don't have to have had an experience to be able to recover from anything whether it be a, a mental disorder or whether it be something physical I mean uh, Christopher Reeve um, before he passed away uh, his, his goal was to um, regain uh, enough um, sort of, uh, of his physical body uh, and his sensation back to be able to walk again yeah. And before he died, he recovered 70% of the sensation in his body. And he was paralyzed from here down. And that was, that was through uh, willpower, that was through self-love, that was through um, uh, sort of uh, help that he had and help that he was able to give to himself. And uh, again, uh, just a, another example of the fact that we're all divine. We're all divine. We all have the ability to choose whether we, whether we heal or we don't. Mm -hmm. um, we can make ourselves ill and we can also make ourselves better. We can come from the brink um, and and bring ourselves back mm -hmm. and bring ourselves back in a better uh, condition than, uh, than when we left. Yeah, I love that you bring up Christopher Reeves because I often think about him because I know that um, he and his wife, who both left their body, left the exited the matrix, I say, uh, they were both, you know, staunch proponents of 
of the mind over matter and he tried really hard to manifest what he knew within him was possible but mm. then knowing having that knowing and then and then doing it and then manifesting it you know getting letting go enough to allow that to happen that's the only way i can describe it because you've spoken a lot all of you about letting go letting go letting go letting go and to someone who's hanging on and you say let go often they don't know how to let go like how do i let go of hating somebody of how do i let go of my stressful thoughts how do i let go of believing that this is my reality and that there's another reality i can create be it you know sick or to well or poor to rich or angry to loving you know how do i get to that step and and i think of him or i see him from you know helping people from their uh, that other realm because they're still working on that the, the two of them are still working on helping people manifest what they know is possible so you said that he regained 70 because he was pretty determined that he was going to walk again like mm -hmm. and um and then he exited the matrix before that happened but he's still helping from the other side helping people with that it was preceding it was preceding for other people to um sort of take up his mantle yeah um, very often uh, very often that's our legacy that's what we leave uh, yeah. people it's not uh, giving them a full healing it's right. giving them the ability to choose for themselves yeah, yeah. that's that's the thing that i was uh, i um live every day but i was brought back with was the fact that everything in my life is my choice i chose to have my accident i chose to leave i also chose to come back um i i choose to be happy i choose to be sad i choose to feel any feeling that i have but it's what i do with it afterwards do i do i hold on to it um, or do I let it go? And I think that's the point that I was trying to make before with the PHS Atwater thing. Right. Uh, where she writes in a new book, it's all, it's all about um, sort of, we can feel these feelings, we have them, we have egos, we have um, sort of love, happiness, uh, sadness, anger, and whatever else. They're, they're all deities that we have, but it's what we choose to do with them. You know, anger is a release. We have, yeah. the, we have the angry moment, we have the shout, we, um, we do whatever we want to do, and once yeah. that's gone, yeah. Do we hold on to it? Is it the hot rock that we hold in, uh, in our hands, ready to throw at someone else, but only burning our own hands? Or yeah. do we let that go? It's our choice. It's my choice to hold on to this rock. It's my choice for it to burn me um, where I want to throw it at someone else. It's also my choice to go, do you know what? I'm, I'm burning myself by wanting to burn that other person. Yeah. Um, it's about, like, I just keep thinking, decrease resistance, allow. It's like, it's the, it's the blockages that we put up to decrease or to hinder the flow of the love energy that's constantly, constantly flowing. And we can't see it, but it's there in every little particle. It's there. And I was actually particles in my near-death experience. I know. I love that about you. I, loved, I really loved that part. I could really relate to that part. I don't know why. I love that description of your particles. Yeah. And that's the experience that I was given and I chose. Um, so that I could understand. Um, I could understand me in the context of what I experienced in my near-death experience, and I could understand me in the context of this world that I live in now. Yeah. But it's, it's about letting, let, the letting go is about decreasing resistance and or allowing, just yeah. allow for what is to be what is, and accept and be willing to move on and do the next thing and 
all the I, the 12 principles that I talk about, all those, exactly. the, those things are the things that help me to function in my life as the yeah. person that I desire to be. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, like, I kept thinking, wow, wow, wow. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you. Um, you know, one of my favorite teachers, the Abraham material, you know, Esther and Jerry Hicks, and I still call them Esther and Jerry, because even though Jerry has exited the matrix, he's still very present uh, through Esther and the Abraham material. And, um, you know, they call their teachings, the art of allowing (laughs) the art of allowing. (laughs) Don't you love that, Nancy? it is an art it's an art it's not it's not an intellectual process it's it's a creative process it's an it's art it's that in the moment lost in the moment letting go in the flow you know we could talk about it till the cows come home but yeah it's a feeling it's not a thinking it's like a it's that art it's the art of letting go so i hope this helps people who's who's ever listening to this it's hanging on to something and they need to let it go and need to be in the flow and see life from a broader perspective connected to the you know the lattice work of love Ooh, that's a good name for a book (laughs) (laughs) okay so we're going to start wrapping this up because I could, as I say, I could chat on all day. And um, books, books, books. Nancy's got a beautiful book, Awakenings. Uh, I know it off by heart, but tell me the book, Awakening from the Light. A light Awakenings from the Light. Awakenings for the Light, which you go into detail about the processes. And obviously you, you've, um, you've put your story and some new tidbits in the chapter, which I adore. I adore the chapter. It's just beautiful. And... Krista has a book too, but you took it out off Amazon for a while. Is it back on Amazon? What's happening? Yeah, well, it's available for download right now. I still, I still have to um, tweak the the actual hardcover copy that I have to load back up. The, I have to tweak the the program. But um, but yeah, it's I died and learned how to live, and it's it's my near death experience of you know briefly. But then it's what I did to yeah. help heal myself in this life and in and, um, and what I'm living now. Yeah. It, which was my near-death experience. These things are my near-death experience. Yeah. And so it's all very practical advice that you both, you both, you know, outline in the book, which is great. I love that. And, um, and you put that in your chapter too. You've got hints of that in the chapter. And then Ainsley, you know, you're working on your book, aren't you? Yes, it's a, it's a work in progress. Um, <laughs> Like with, like with everything else life happens um i have got an article that i published uh, at the end of last year called the awakening um and that uh, details uh, my sort of what i call the three keys my my keys to my healing which i'm hoping will help other people which is accept like love um you know and, and that being a process to to move through because if you can't accept yourself how, how can you expect to like yourself if you can't like yourself how do you expect to love yourself and then how do you expect to do that um for other people Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's 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 an article about my process and and how that's helped me, um, and whatever else. And that's uh, available um, on in five D, which is a, a website from uh, someone set it up here in Florida, haven't they? Um, yeah, so it's Greg Prescott's website in five D. Yeah, he's got his article. And it's also yeah. on a YouTube uh clip someone someone set it up so that they've got the the computer voice reading it with oh really so it has press has um uh what's his name craig prescott greg Greg prescott great has he not interviewed you for his show 
Thank he, um, no, um, he's asked me to contribute my near-death experience story right. to his website. Um, and then Ainsley also had that article, but, um, but no, he hasn't, he hasn't asked to interview me. Okay. So I think maybe we need to do just a, a, a show with Ainsley and go more into your experience too. Cause actually, you know, I keep telling everybody that everyone in the book is from my show, but actually that was a lie because you weren't on my show yet. I'd forgotten. <laughs> Fabrication. Fabrication. <laughs> I'm a liar. <laughs> Well, now you're on the show. <laughs> it's because it's, it's because it's already happened. You're talking about it from the perspective it's already happening. I mean, we, we live in this divine now, and our experience of now is that it's now, and this is before, and this is afterwards. But it's all happening at the same time. So you know, you're just you're just picking up on what's already happened. We've already had a conversation. It's all there. <laughs> it's all there. Yeah. It's it's not linear time. It's circular time, isn't it? It's exactly. like <laughs> you guys all understand that because you've been in that no yeah. time, no space experience. Mm -hmm. It's hard to wrap your head around from a linear mind perspective. And of course, the love story, which we didn't go into between the two lovebirds up the top there, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and they just got married recently. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. Isn't that cute? <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> so you can read all about it in the book because you talk about, Ainsley talks about it. Um, I don't think actually you touched it in your chapter, but anyway, it's all in Ainsley's chapter in the book, how it all, how it all unfolded. And uh, Nancy, any words of wisdom before we sign off? <laughs> oh, boy. Just, just remember that each one of you out there is just divinely beautiful inside. Um, trust that. And it's one thing that I see when I go out across the country and speak is that most people don't, don't understand that. That's why I started the, the Beauty Project. But you're all, all equally parts of the divine right now. Well, I'd love to catch up with that when you're a bit further down. I'd love to, you know, get maybe, I don't know, that's probably a year away or something before you've got a string of the beauty project. Oh, that's beautiful. I have to tell you what was going through my head before we sign off. You know, when I was young, beauty, physical beauty was really pounded into my head that that's where it was at. I think it still is with a lot of young people, you know, everyone's on Instagram looking beautiful because you've got all those filters that you can put on Instagram to make you look spectacular. And now that I'm old and fat, you know, my, uh, I was talking to my daughter about beauty. She, um, you know, I, was, I pulled up my top and put my belly out and said, don't you think I'm beautiful? And I'm wobbling my big fat belly. <laughs> and my big fat ass in her face going, don't you think I'm beautiful? And she was going, you're disgusting, mum. You're disgusting. <laughs> but that self-love that you talk about, you know, I, when I was young, I could never have fathomed being this old and fat and thinking that that was all right but when you you know that that would be acceptable and okay and then when you love yourself completely it's like you can love every aspect of you the fat ugliness the the crankiness that you can just love all of it that self-love and Take, and takes on a whole new um, takes on a whole new, whole new vision it's it's the it's the feeling of it i mean i uh, the, the last Diane's conference we went to um, uh, it was someone else's talk and um, it, it evoked uh, something in me I wanted to share afterwards and it was about my inability to look at myself um, and, and not, I couldn't stand naked, I had to cover myself in a towel even if it was on my own um, and, and that process of me opening up has been my process of self-love and, and been able to do that. Yeah. Um, 
and without realizing there was someone else in the audience who also felt the, the, the same and they, they came over um, a day or so later and sort of said look you know what what you said really touched me um, and she realized that that, that that had been her and what she'd done the, the night of uh, that she'd actually um, stood in front of the mirror completely naked and she said for the it was the first time I've looked at myself and I've actually loved who I am yeah. and it's like there it is there, there it is there you know it's it's that ability to see past what we're programmed to believe, mm-hmm. what we what we collectively believe that sort of beauty has to be just skin deep. It's it's from inside, and it's that light, isn't it? Yeah, I'm so happy you guys are talking about this because somebody watching this is going to be like in tears, just so grateful because they're going to. Oh, you make me cry. Look at you, like all these people. You're all so beautiful. Oh, look, Anna, beauty shines from within. It's hard to tell. It's hard to, you know, I remember the teenage me who was so worried about that. And you know what was crazy? I was really gorgeous when I was young and I never thought I was. I just, just, I was always comparing myself to models and stuff because, you know, I was never thin enough, never good enough. All that never enough, never enough, never enough. Anyway, we could talk about this all day. I'm trying to to wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) You beautiful golden beings. Gold threads of beautiful bliss. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for look, not only sharing of yourself in the book and sharing of yourself on the show, sharing of yourself on this earth. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy and a bliss to be with you again Thank today. You. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. And remember, people go out and get the book because, you know, I've had a few people, I've had almost everybody on the show uh, after the book's been written, but I don't think I'll get Dave on the show, which is funny. <laughs> funnily enough, he's the longest chapter because I just put every detail in. I just figured as horrific as it was, um, the fact that he, you can go through that and still be a joyful, loving, incredible, beautiful human being is... Prime is, example. Yeah, prime example. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.